Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, how's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode where a bunch of us content creators come together and talk about what we've been playing recently. And on this episode are... Bored on the Air, Meeple and the Moose, The Cardboard Kid, The Rat Hole, Dice and Dragons, The Tabletop Bellhop, the Meeple Dungeon, Mr. Rao Gaming, and Cardboard Conjecture. And as always, please remember to check out the show notes to the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. So sit back and enjoy. Hi, I'm Shay. And I'm David. And you are listening to What You've Been Playing. No. No, I'm leaving. No? I'm out. What have you? What have you been playing Wednesday? What have been playing? What a? What have been playing? <laughs> we should go with that just to bug Norm for a bit. <laughs> what have been playing? <laughs> uh, so this is What Have You Been Playing, a weekly podcast by a bunch of Canadian board game podcasters. Yes, the greatest Canucks in the history of board game podcasting. Sure, we'll call it that. Okay. Uh, and we are going to be discussing the game that we played this week, which is... Micro Macro, Micro Crime Macro. City. Yeah. So I think there's been a lot of um, buzz about this game. I've seen a lot of reviews about it. A lot of people playing it. Yeah, a lot of people playing it. And then it went away because nobody could get it. Yeah. So there's a lot of people wanting to play it. And finally came back in print. Or they got another shipment. As everybody knows, COVID has messed with everything, mm-hmm. and supply of board games is just another one of those things it's messed with. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get a copy, and Finally. got it on the table. Yeah. And it took up the whole table. It took up the whole table. Uh, but it was really fun. So this is kind of a Where's Waldo style game, and now i got to be careful. I already spoiled one game. i got to make sure I yeah. don't spoil another game. We, we will... Scout's Honor, we will try not... To do any spoilers in this game. Yes. So it's a Where's Waldo style. Yes. You have little cards that are your case. Yeah. uh, Or that describe your case. And what they do is they usually start out with, like for the basic ones, you start out with a uh, crime scene. Yeah. tell you where the crime scene is. And then as you flip each card, it tells you, it asks you a question. So it says like, um, you know, where did the person live? Yep. You know, what, what was the motive? Because you're solving the crime is what you're doing, and it was really neat. There's all this. There's this cartoon map, and you have uh, the characters on them, and the way you find out like where they've come from and stuff is there's they literally they have the character on it multiple times, and you just follow it back. Yeah. So basically, the pictures are timestamps, mm-hmm. right? And you and you're you find the crime scene, and then you're following it back to see you know where the murderer came from, what he used to poison people, or what he used to murder people and then he you know you're finding out where you where the murder victim came from and what yeah. may have been the reason why he got murdered, murdered yeah. or <laughs> murdered yeah <laughs> yeah pretty so, much all of them have been murdered it, so it, far. it was uh, yeah it was all all murders was there a robbery there was, there one, was robbery. one robbery yeah but that's if we were going to spoil the game we would talk about that right of course now you can also play it um there's in a the basic more, the version. Basic version, which is what we explained, where you flip the cards, and there's a more advanced version, where instead of flipping the cards, you find out where the crime scene is, and then you just go and try and find all the information. Yeah, so there's 16 cases in the box, and they talk about a ba- or a general var- variation and the advanced variation. And in the basic, 
you know, as you flip cards, it says, where was this? Where was this? And then you flip it over and it gives you the answer to, to see if you're right. So one person is the lead investigator and he's the guy reading the cards. So if you're wrong, he backs out of that case and tries to give you some clues and stuff as to where it is or tells you to keep looking is how I did it. Yeah. Uh, and then the advanced, you flip over the first card. It says, so-and-so was murdered in this area. And you go there. And you start studying the crime scene. Yep. And you go back and forth. Uh, you try and figure out who murdered or who stole something. And you go back and forth and try to find as much backstory as you can. Uh, and what we used is little wooden blocks to mark off the different spots where we found stuff that we thought was important to the case. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to the cards and you read off the, the questions to the cards and you try to answer it at that point. Uh, the, the cards are really in the basic version to help you solve or help push you along. Yeah. It's giving you hints as you go. Well, and like what information you're looking for, right? Yes. Like I wouldn't jump straight into the advanced version because you really don't know what type of questions they're going to ask. Yeah. Doing a couple of the uh, regular version and then going into the advanced, you kind of know what you're looking for and it really helps it. But it also is... I found it very fun to do the advanced one because you're just kind of like, oh, there they are, there they are, there they are. And you're like, is this useful? Is this useful? I don't know. What about this? Yeah. And yeah. and that was the consensus online for the reviews as well. They were like, you know, once you get into the advanced version, you'll never play the game the other way again. Yeah. Right? It was, it was just that much more fun. And I enjoyed the basic version. Mm -hmm. uh, this game in general, as a deduction game, was a blast. Oh, definitely. Uh I can't wait to finish it and wait for the second one to come. I know there's a couple of cases online that you can get from BGG. There's a, a free case you can get off their site. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to want to get those. Yeah. How much is this game? It's about $35. Okay. So I think that's reasonable for... Because like it's a game where you really probably won't play it again because you've solved the cases, yeah. right? So... For a game that once you've solved all of them, it's kind of done. That's a decent price, I'd say, for it. Yeah, in, in the manual that does talk about you know keeping the keeping the map around because they will try to release more and more cases. Right. Or just to start studying and see what you see, and and then see if you've you found another case for them to uh, to write up to write up. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, I had a great time playing this. Mm -hmm. uh, I would play this with pretty much anyone. We had four people going, and in a couple of cases, uh, some of the people, did, depending on where on the map yeah. it was, some people didn't seem to help as much as, or couldn't help as much as yeah. the people that it was right in front of. Every time it was way far away, it was a little harder to get to, right? Yes. But I think it's still kind of even though It'd probably be better with maybe two people. Yeah, I think at two, this game would yeah. really, really shine. Yeah. At, at four, we were tripping over each other a little bit, Yeah. but I still had a great time. Absolutely. Okay, I'm David. And I'm Shay. And this has been... What you been playing? No, what a... What a been playing? What a been playing. Okay, uh, we are Bored on the Air, a weekly radio show on CFCR, Thursday nights at 6, and you can find us on all your local podcasting sites. Have a great night. Hello, my name is Alex, and I write board game reviews over at MeeplingMews.com, and I'm here to talk about the games I played this week for What You've Been Playing Wednesday. This week, someone in our gaming group was going to get married, so we kidnapped them and kept them away from all of their adult responsibilities for 12 hours. Took them out to lunch, an escape room, bought 2.2 kilograms of candy, and enjoyed a great evening of board games. The first game we played was Lost City's Rivals during lunch at the local pub. Lost City Rivals is designed by Reiner Knizia, and it's a take on that classic Lost Cities gameplay, but expands it out to four players and makes the central mechanism for distribu distributing cards an auction. It works fairly well, but it falls woefully short of the greatness that is the original Lost Cities. There's not that much tension in Lost Cities Rivals as there's no punishment for embarking on an expedition, but I concede that losing points because you didn't manage to collect cards in the auctions would make for a very bad game. It feels there's very little control in Lost City's Rivals. It doesn't feel like you can do very much, and after you win an auction, your power for the rest of the round is greatly diminished. 
spend all your money and you might as well take a walk until the next round as you are unable to do anything other than flip up cards for the other players to take. The next game we played at the pub was Six Nymphed or Take Five. Uh, Six Nymphed is a game we've that I have only played on Board Game Arena, but a stranger had gift, gifted it to one of our friends so we couldn't resist. In Six Nymphed, players are playing cards simultaneously. The cards are flipped up and slotted into a row depending on which row has the closest number. For instance, if you played a 29 and one of the rows had a 27, you'd put your 29 next to the 27. The catch of the game is that if your card is the sixth card in a row, you have to take all the cards in that row as your score. Your card would then become the new card for that row. In Six Nymphed, points are bad. The first player to hit six, 66 points triggers the end game, and the player with the lowest score at the end of that round is the winner. I found it much harder to strategize while playing Six Nymphed on the table, but I still had a really good time. The reveal when you flip the cards and players see their doom cemented is a joy to behold. After the pub and the escape room, we retired to one of our houses for an evening of heavier games. The first one being Food Chain Magnate by Jeremy Duman and Joris Wigersna. Now, I could talk about Food Chain Magnate all damn day, but I won't. Being my favorite game and just one of Bear's favorite games means whenever either of us have a bigger board game event day, Food Chain Magnate is likely to get played. This time around, we played with a couple extra mar marketers, the Mass Marketeer and the Gourmet Food Critics, along with the new set of milestones from the expansion. This game ended up being chaotic. Bear and Bigfoot started with a couple of trainers, while Otter and I went with a recruiting role to start, which netted us both an executive vice president, which will, which will be important later. Otter marketed pizza effectively via a mailbox campaign to the three houses in one corner of the board. Otter and I quickly hired kitchen trainees to fulfill their demands. What we didn't realize was that the first pizza sold milestone threw up three radio campaigns all marketing pizza. Suddenly, the board was full of pizza demand. The bank broke quickly and it revealed that three players had put $100 in as their secret objective, meaning all the CEOs were reduced to two management slots. This wasn't as bad for Otter and I as we had the executive vice presidents with 10 management slots, but Bear and Bigfoot were both crippled. The game ended quickly and I managed to get a luxuries manager out and sold five pizzas to a garden house for $200 in a single turn. The game ended with me in the lead with a winning score of $456. Now if you haven't played Food Chain Magnate, that all might just sound like insanity to you, and on some level it kind of is. Uh, Food Chain Magnate is a game all about anticipating your opponent's moves and capitalizing on the opportunities that are presented to you. I cannot get enough of it. If you want to hear my full review of Food Chain Magnate, you can find it on my website. The next game we played is Hansa Titanica. My favorite story about Hansa Titanica is that Bigfoot owned it for a long time but hadn't gotten around to playing it for a couple of years. He had it on his four trade lists on BoardGameGeek. We ended up breaking it out one night and as soon as we were done, he immediately took it off that list. Hansa Titanica by Andrea Stedding is an area majority net slash network route building game where you're placing your workers on the board trying to obtain a monopoly on a road so that you can either improve your actions or claim the nearest office as your own to earn victory points. The hook of Hansa Titanica is that you need to control all the spots on a road between two cities. So if someone gets in your way, you need to bump them off. To bump someone off this spot, you need to pay an extra worker to the supply and the bumped player gets to place the bumped worker plus one extra worker onto an adjacent route. This added benefit highly incentivizes players to get in each other's way as much as possible, hoping that they'll be bumped out and get that added benefit. While I struggled with the rulebook, Hansa Tetonica is an excellent game. A highly interactive Euro, if you have this game languishing unplayed on your shelves, you owe it to yourself to pull it out and give it a go. The next game we played was Seven Wonders by Anto Anton Boza. Now, Seven Wonders is a classic for a good reason. It's fast and easy to teach and utterly satisfying to play. If you haven't played Seven Wonders yet, it's a drafting game where each, of the, each player has one of the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World and are trying to amass the most victory points. You can play brown or gray resource cards which allow you to buy other cards, like the blue culture cards, the yellow merchant cards, the green science cards, or the red military cards. You can also spend cards to build your wonder which will get you points and spe special powers throughout the game. Each wonder will lead you down a slightly different strategy, but you don't need to follow the path of least, least resistance. 
Each round, you'll be dealt 7 cards, and each turn you'll choose one of those cards to play onto the table. Everyone reveals their choices simultaneously, then you pass your hand of cards to the player on your left. Each turn, the number of cards will dwindle until you only have 2 cards left. You'll play one, discard the other, and move on to the next age. After 3 ages, the player with the most points wins. Seven Wonders is such an easy game to play that it makes it an easy default for us. But sometimes we like to change it up and play Seven Blunders instead, where the goal of the game is to get the lowest score possible. There's a couple extra rules, like you can't choose to discard a card for coins if you have a card you could play, but this offers an interesting twist on the gameplay. I'm usually torn between trying to build as many of the same resources as possible, or trying to unnecessarily stack up on military cards. The winner of, of this game of 7 blunders had 29 points, which is far from the lowest score I've ever seen, so we still have room to grow downwards I suppose. To end the night, we fell back on The Crew, The Quest for Planet 9 by Thomas Singh. The Crew, The Quest for Planet 9 is a cooperative trick-taking game, and I think I've talked about it a lot in the past, so I'll skip my preamble. By now, we're tackling missions in the mid to late 20s range, and they're starting to get really difficult. Sometimes the way the cards come out make it actually impossible to win, like if you need to win 4 pink cards in perfect sequence between all 4 players. Even with that annoyance, the crew is still an enjoyable experience, and the amount of joy that I feel when we succeed in a mission is an incredible achievement from a game so small. And that's all I have to talk about this week. If you want to read more about my thoughts and reviews on board games, you can check out my stuff over at MeepleandMoose.com or follow me on Twitter at MooseMeeple. Have a happy Wednesday! Hey everyone, I'm the Cardboard Kit. Despite being busy with my final exams, I can't believe grade 6 is over. I'm back for another What You've Been Playing Wednesday. We played a game about cute comical creatures and trying to identify them after someone makes noises. Yes, that's the actual title, and Wola Times. If you've never played one of the best's games, you're missing out. She's so fun and silly and makes games that are fun and silly. The name pretty much explains all the rules. The other players cover their eyes, a handful of cards are dealt to the center, you randomly draw a number of cards, and make the noise you think that matches the number. When done, the other players open their eyes. They show their choice. If two or more voted for the same monster, the majority scores a point. If any player was correct in guessing your monster, guesser, and artist gets points. There are no right or wrong answers, and you can play this until all no longer want to play, meaning this is great to just pull out while waiting for dinner, or for waiting for grandma to come over. We also played a game about drawing creatures, complimenting the drawings, then complimenting the compliments. Unlike the last game, which has lots of laughs, this is more sweet and wholesome, and possibly even more replayable. A creature feature goes to the center, and each player receives three more. You will now need to draw a creature that has all four features. Once everyone's done, you introduce your creature and its features. Next, going around the table, everyone compliments your monster. Once everyone's done, you now compliment the compliments. In other words, this is a game about appreciating things and feeling appreciated. I didn't remember much about mind management before my parents convinced me to play it, so I went in almost completely blind. The agent slash recruiter chase is really cool, giving just enough information to try and figure out where you went and where you are, but it can be easy to lose track, like any good hidden movement game. The actions and icon combinations give this a lot of replayability even before you start adding the advanced rules. We recently played Rush MD again. Because it had been so long, we didn't add any of the new expansion stuff that arrived. It still feels as chaotic as ever, but feels familiar and solid enough that everything clicked before way too long. We even managed to win, which is always a pleasant surprise. My review of Charlotte Case Connection has already gone up, but I wanted to say again that this game has some good ideas, and I think Puzzle is clever, but it still isn't deep enough. It isn't long before things feel repetitive, mostly due to lack of card luck mitigation. This was a rare miss by Lucky Duck Games. Sniper Elite the board game is a new one versus many hidden movement game based on the video games. I haven't been the sniper yet, but I've teamed with mom and dad against the other. The sniper is trying to fulfill their two random starting objectives, and the defenders are obviously trying to put a stop to that. The sniper has three accessories that they can use to help, either as distractions or to help eliminate enemies. It plays in about an hour, and the sniper's private planning board is really cool. The whole game uses sections on the map to tie into actions. We have the expansion that adds new snipers, new maps, but haven't used it yet. The base game's cards and mechanism mean it's super replayable, and I'm quite enjoying it so far. 
my review of Pocket Detective Season 1 has also already gone up, and as you probably saw, I really like this. It's like Crime Zoom, another deck-based mystery game from Lucky Duck Games, but it is more than enough to stand on its own. In a way, it was almost closer to Chronicles of Crime in terms of how things branched and progressed. I'm going to spoil a bit of September Swingspan Oceania expansion, I'm taking the summer off, but the new ways of mitigation that adds and gives you a goal to work towards, the rebalancing, and the other small but meaningful changes manage to turn this solid game into a really, really good one. That's about all for now. If you want to see photos and updates on what I'm playing, follow me on Twitter at Cardboard underscore Kit. For video reviews, check out my YouTube channel, The Cardboard Kit. Please stay safe. Happy gaming! What's up, Internet? My name's Paparazzo Dave Chapman. I'm the lead reviewer for the Rathole.ca, a co-host on The Legend of the Traveling Tardis, and I'm back on What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I was originally planning on recording this in Columbus, Ohio, after returning from the UK Games Expo in Birmingham, England. But the universe had some other plans for me. That didn't happen, but I'm here now. The UK Games Expo was just one of several events that I was lucky enough to attend, but one of the most relevant that I can probably talk about. The absolute, bar none, highlight of that event was finally getting to meet Bez from Stuff by Bez. Years ago, the Indie Board Game Alliance arranged a review copy for me of the Wibble Plus Plus deck, and ever since then, her games have absolutely fascinated me. They held a different mini-tournament at the booth each day, and I was lucky enough to make it for two of them. The first one I made was... A game of counting cats, shapes, and colors that keep getting trickier. This is a delightful speed game in which the top card of a deck is flipped over and the players must count all of the cats that match the specific cats showing on the back of the card revealed by that flip. But it's not that easy. Every player must count the matching cats on the flipped card and on any cards that they have in front of them. If the first person to slap that flipped card counts correctly, it's placed in front of them. If they counted wrong, they lose all of the cards in front of them. Either way, only that first person slapping matters. Win or lose, that person is going to be the one who flips the next card. Now, I call this a quote-unquote delightful speed game. I need to put that in some context. I hate speed games. Hate, hate, hate. If I enjoy a speed game, that says a lot. And honestly, I enjoyed this game. Despite the fact that I utterly failed at it. Um, it's simple to learn and theoretically simple to play. It's a great small party game. And I can't imagine playing it after a few adult beverages. Hmm. The second game I played was technically two games combined into a single tournament. A game about wee whimsical creatures and trying to identify them after someone makes noises. And a game about cute comical creatures and trying to identify them after someone makes noises. These are sibling games with no mechanical differences. The only actual difference is in the artwork. The cute comical creatures are all brightly colored, while the wee whimsical creatures are black and white line art with just enough off-white shading to help the creatures stand out on the cards, but subtle enough that I didn't really even register it as a color until I specifically looked. For both games, there are five or more creatures drawn and placed next to the numbers one to five, or whatever number, on the table. The noise-making player randomly draws a second number one to five, or whatever, to determine the target creature. Then everybody else closes their eyes, and the noise-maker makes a noise. <laughs> Uh, the other players will simultaneously reveal which number of creatures they think would have made that noise. Whatever creature gets voted on by the majority, those players all get a point. If they also guessed correctly, the noisemaker gets a point. If the majority got it wrong, any other players that guessed correctly get a point, but not the noisemaker. These two games combined made for one of the best times I've had in a very long time. I can't wait till I can pull these out at some party somewhere and just go hard. I have to add one last thing in here. If you ever have the opportunity to attend an event run by Bez, go. 
if there's one thing I've never been accused of, it's lacking in enthusiasm. But dang, Bez puts me to shame with her exuberance, positivity, and absolute wit. She's one of those people that could read a menu and make it feel like a West End show. TheRatHole.ca puts out primarily written content with occasional video reviews and interviews, as well as a weekly miniatures painting series, Slinging Paint. You can find our YouTube and all of our social medias at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash TheRatHole.ca. This coming Saturday, June 25th, 2022, we're going to have a special box opening video on our YouTube channel showing off all the really cool stuff that you can find at your friendly local gaming store for free RPG day. So check that out. And until next time, good gaming and goodbye. What up gamers? I'm Jason. I'm Julie, and together we're Dyson Dragons, and you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram at Dyson Dragons, and on Twitter at Dyson Dragon. And what is it today, Julie? It's What You Been Playing Wednesdays. And what have we been playing? I think we've been playing Testament. Yes, we've been playing this game. It is published by Japanime Games. It is designed by the Japanese indie designer Kuro from Manifest Destiny, who published it in Japan with the Lion Wing Publishing as well. And we've got our nice localized copy of the game. This is also a review copy. So we just want to remind everyone that while uh, we're doing a little promo here, our thoughts are our own. Now, Julie, what did you think of Testament? And what were we doing in this game? Let's let you take it away for once. <laughs> we're fighting bad guys like we always do. We're not always fighting bad guys. Mm. Sometimes we're making wine. Sometimes we're exploring islands. Okay, it's not most always. of the time. Yes, we do like to fight bad guys. <laughs> so you're fighting bad guys, but this is a game that is based on a massive multiplayer online role-playing game mechanics. So you're going to have four characters. Uh, the characters can be customized however you want, but you're typically going to be falling into sort of the, the stereotypical uh, archetypes from uh, those games with your healer, damage dealer, your tank, as well as then your magic damage dealer who will specialize in doing the big group uh, AOE effects. Now there's some cool tweaking that you can do with your cards. Uh, there's some movement uh, as you're going to progress to the, the boss where you can actually learn other weaknesses and you're really trying to defeat as many mobs as possible, power up, and then take down the boss as quickly as you can. I don't really think I missed anything at all there, do you? No, I mean, you're playing, you have a set of cards, and that's all you're playing. You don't get to draw from them. I mean, those are your, the four cards you have are the four cards you have, right? Yeah, you've got those four abilities, and then you will be exhausting them. You can decide, uh, well, so to trigger their effects, some of them might give you bonuses when they are exhausted. You'll be resting when you decide to rest, or once you exhaust all your skills, they will automatically reset, and you can then use them again. And uh, you've got some nasty effects from the enemies where they can gain shields to block damage. They can pierce through your own shields. Just all sorts of crazy stuff that's going to happen. And uh, the boss can even summon some nasty enemies repeatedly. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, you know, your, your characters definitely are not created equal. Uh, you were playing with one that had lots of help. There was a tank. Uh, I mean, I liked one of my characters. She uh, She seemed pretty balanced. She could hit pretty hard. She... Oh, that's all she could do. She could hit, but she also seemed to be able to, to take a little bit of a punch. Uh, the other character I was playing was so weak that basically had to be protected all the time because if I took any amount of damage, uh, basically I had to be I had to be healed right away. So yeah, you're playing the mage, also known as the glass cannon in the uh, MMORPG. You'll, you'll deal all the damage, but uh, you get everyone's attention really quick unless uh, the person playing the tank can make sure that uh, they're a lot more annoying and in uh, the bosses or in the mob's face uh, compared to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, and this is a campaign, so it's been uh, we've been playing uh, playing through the different uh, the different missions, uh, and I would say the games also are not not very even in time. I mean, they, some of the games have taken us a long time to play, and others have been a little bit more uh, a little bit quicker. 
Yeah, and I would say that has to do with how you build uh, your character. I'm really not so sure all the skills are balanced. As you said, all characters aren't created equal and all skills aren't quite created equal. Uh, you're going to have a solid time playing as the characters like recommended archetypes. Uh, that's just the way that they're built, but there are some really cool customization effects that you can do. So you can turn your glass cannon into your, uh, for example, uh, your damage dealer, like your melee damage dealer and, and vice versa. You can turn your healer into your tank because they already have high health, but getting some really funky combos is not something that we've tried to do uh, as of yet. Uh, one of the things that we definitely struggled with was uh, the area of effect damage. Uh, the big attacks you were using the skill Hailstorm, and uh, that really seemed to be inferior compared to uh, cryo, uh, the cryokinesis skill that you were using to hit uh, a lot of multiple targets and just doing a lot more damage and just wiping the board. So I'm, I'm not so sure how I like the balance in this game at all with, uh, with the abilities. That being said, I think it does a great job of bringing the MMORPG mechanics to the table. I'm a lot more familiar with them than you are since uh, I played a lot of those types of games. Yeah, I mean, I, how can I say this? I did enjoy some aspects of the game. Uh, I don't know that this is my favorite game, honestly. Uh, I, I'm, this was very anime-centric, it felt to me. Uh, it's, it's not anime-centric. This is the design and the art very much is. The mechanics of this are very much computer game-centric. Like, I've played Star Wars The Old Republic, World of Warcraft, all the games like that, and this feels like you're playing that type of game. Your tank's taunting, your damage dealers are do dealing damage, and your healer's healing. That's pretty much what you're going to be doing in the big boss fights and when you're going through dungeons, and it feels exactly like that. This feels like you're progressing to that last raid boss. So I think the question is, Julie, do you want to keep finishing this campaign, or is this something that uh, I'll be finishing off solo probably? I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to see. And I <laughs> guess uh, whoever's listening to this, if you're interested, you'll have to check out our review that comes out the day after this. All right. And then we'd like to remind you to... Keep, Keep playing, playing games. games. Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Bellhop segment of What You've Been Playing Wednesday. I am Mo Tuzano, Tabletop Bellhop, your cardboard concierge, working with you to make your game nights better. This week, I've got two games to talk about, as well as some other gaming-related things I want to mention. Now, the gameplays start with the longest, most casual game of side that's probably ever been played by any group anywhere. Uh, Friday night, we got together with some friends who were some celebrating some good news. Now, this celebration included some Ontario craft beer and other adult beverages, which probably meant it wasn't the best night to try to figure out Scythe from Stonemeyer Games for the first time. But hey, whatever. Personally, I was thinking we start the night off the side and then move on to other beer and pretzel games, like maybe playing Drinking Quest again. But things just didn't play out that way. Instead, we had the most casual game of Scythe ever, where we were busy chatting and getting distracted and barely playing the game. You know what, though? It worked pretty great for learning the game, as everyone was basically just messing around and trying things out with no pressure of trying to win or outdo each other. While this did result in an almost six-hour game of Scythe, I think it was worthwhile because now all four of us know pretty much the ins and outs of the mechanics pretty well, and it was quite fun to learn this game in such a casual setting. Now, I'm not saying you should take the opportunity to drink and relax for every big board game teach, but it worked out surprisingly well for us in this case. Now, I am looking forward to the follow-up game where we're all sober and paying attention and trying to beat the crap out of each other and see how that goes. Now, the other game that hit my table this past week was For the Queen. For those of you who don't know that the, For the Queen, this is a fantastic improv RPG experience from Alex Roberts, um, otherwise known as Muscular Pikachu. And I absolutely love this game. I actually have a signed copy of this, signed from it. Now, I introduced this game to two friends whose only tabletop role-playing game experience thus far had been Dungeons & Dragons, and it completely blew their minds. Now, one player in particular got the game right away, like just grokked it, just totally understood what was happening, but didn't get it at all and couldn't believe that what he was doing was part of a game. He kept saying things like, so this is the game? Wait, wait, we're playing the game right now? Wait, all we're doing is answering quite this is the game? This is what we're supposed to be doing? 
but ended up having a fantastic time. This ended up being a highly enjoyable experience for everyone. And the best part, at least for me, is that I think I really did open this couple's eyes open to the fact that there are role-playing games out there, not just beyond D&D, but that don't follow that traditional format of the players asking the dungeon master if they can get away with what they want to do and rolling dice and waiting for a result. This is something completely different than that, I think was an eye-opening experience, and I'm glad I got to share it with them. Now, besides playing games, I also had the chance to record four unboxing videos this last week. Now, the first of which is Scythe, of course, because we needed to unbox it before we played it, and that's already live on YouTube. Now, in the coming weeks, you can also expect to see videos for the Aztec expansion for Imperial Settlers, Lignum, a heavy game about wood, and pret a Porte, a game, a economic game about the fashion industry from Portal Games. Now, the final gaming-related thing I did this past week was to host a live stream where I built the FS Clans V2 box insert from Folded Space. Now, this is for Clans of Caledonia, one of my favorite games. Now, the build went really well, uh, honestly way better than my last one, which I'm not going to talk about in detail here, but you can look that one up. Um, I managed to build the, the, the insert fairly quickly, and then I did a reboxing at the end, and I've got to say this looks like a very useful tray. Um, that should actually speed up, set up, and tear down time, which is the main thing I want from a box insert. Anything that'll let me get a game to the table more often is worth it to me. Well, that's it for the gaming stuff I've been up to this past week. Before I go, just a reminder, visit tabletopbellhop.com. Join us tonight and every Wednesday night on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern for our live podcast recording, and look for us on your podcatcher of choice or YouTube if you can't make it live. For the Tabletop Bellhop Gaming Podcast, I am Mo Tuzna. Good day and game on. Hello, everybody. It's Rob and Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello. And we are back again recording for the What's Been Playing Wednesdays podcast. And we have one game to talk about this week. What game is that, Anna-Marie? That game is the Unmatched Marvel Redemption Row. And that comes to us from Restoration Games and Mondo. Yes, uh, Redemption Row. So this is the uh, one of two big pack Marvel uh, Unmatched sets. And this one features uh, Luke Cage, Ghost, Ghost Rider, Rider, and Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And we just finished playing this for the first time, like minutes before we were doing this recording, and we tried it at three player. And this is the first time we've done an unmatched game at three yeah. player. Because this is one of the first, if not the first, um, sets that promotes the three players. Uh, three or two more. to three. You can actually play up to four. If really? You, want. you can play teams of two. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so we played three player. <clears throat> Let's talk about this game. So most people have heard of Unmatched. It's a skirmish game. Generally speaking, you're just playing one-on-one. This is the first one that, yeah, has promoted uh, three, three players. player duke them out. And, yeah, we we split up the characters that I was Luke Cage. Uh, you were Ghost Rider and Kurt was Moon Knight. Yes. And Moon Knight actually was split into his three personalities of Moon yeah. Knight, Mr. Knight, and Khonshu. And uh, it's cool with him because he got to switch between them every, every round, turn, yeah. Right, and uh, it it flowed in a certain order, I believe. I think it went Moon Knight, Mister Knight, Conshu, or something, something like lines. that. And um, yeah, I was uh, yeah I was Luke Cage, and he was a tough kind of um, battering ram. He was very tough. Uh, yeah, he was like <laughs> a punching bag sort of thing. You could take a lot of damage and dish out a lot of damage. And you were a Ghost Rider on his. You know, it's Nick Cage. Motorbike. The Nick Cage. <laughs> we like to make, you know, we like to imagine, uh, imagine that this was Nick Cage. Nick Cage riding yeah. on the flaming motorbike with his flaming whip. And yeah, so this is a cool game. So if you haven't played <clears throat> Unmatched, do you want to tell them about how it yeah. really works? You basically get two actions on your turn, unless a card specifies that you mm-hmm. get like an extra action. And your um, you can do three different things on your action. You can uh, draw if you're going to maneuver, you draw Which a card. Is just move. Yeah. yeah, you you have to draw a card. That's mandatory. And then you can you don't have to move your fighters. Um, 
And so that's you can move. Uh, then you could scheme, and that's just playing a, a specific type of card. Um, or you can attack, and then you yep. can you basically Simple play one that. of your attack cards down, and then they your opponent you play one card, your opponent will play a defense card if they have one. Yep. And you then you just see who wins. The same time and-, and then um, a lot of times there will be text at the bottom of the card for like during combat, after combat, if you win combat, mm-hmm. if you lose combat, it might give you some little perks or you can maybe move your character. Um, but yeah, it's basically you pick two of those. You maneuver, scheme, or attack. Yep. Two of the three. And then, yeah, you have to take two actions. You do. And, um, you can use the same action twice. Yeah, and in, in taking those actions, you can just draw cards if you'd like. Yeah, because um, you're maneuvering, so you could just... Yeah, in the maneuver action, you must draw a card, and you can also move your character up to their allotted yeah. movement points. And it's um, yeah, it's a cool game, because you have a hand of five. Every every character has their own deck of cards, obviously, that's unique to that character. And, uh, and some characters, like mine, Luke Cage, come with a sidekick. And I had Misty Knight with me as well and so you only have one um mini so luke cage was a it was a mini and the sidekicks are always just a token that yeah. kind of scoots around on the board but it's the same as a character on the board except for if you eliminate her i haven't lost yeah. you have to eliminate my main character yeah and yeah in my deck in particular i would have cards that were specific for luke cage and some cards that were specific to misty and then some cards that said any yeah and so i could use it for either and it's also important to um, to mention that there are the way the cards are laid out is there's attacking cards which are the red cards and yeah. they're, again they're specific to either a character or or used by any. There's blue cards that are specific to defense, and then there's purple cards that you can use if you're caught in either scenario. So if you're being attacked, you can use it as defense. If you want to go on the offense, you could also use it for that. As well, and every card has a a value in the top left corner, um, telling you how strong that card is for whatever it's about to do. And yeah, it's a really cool game. Yeah, then you have yellow cards, which are your scheme cards. Yeah, which are neither attacking or defending. They're 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 just kind of triggering some sort of almost like an event card. Yeah, the saying like usually give you some kind of bonus and yeah, they give you some sort of special thing that happens on your turn rather than uh, doing an attack. And it's a simple, simple game. It's literally just moving around the board. And the board that came with this one is actually the raft. So if people don't know the raft, it's a, uh, thematically, it's this prison out in the middle of the ocean where they keep all the ne'er-do-wells, um, Marvel bad guys kind of hang out in this prison. And that's where this this uh, this fight takes place between these yeah. three uh, characters. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a cool board. It's... Uh, it's laid out really cool. And the cool thing about this, too, <clears throat> that Unmatched has got right is they figured out line of sight really, really well. Because yeah. some characters have... Um, zones, like you, you play in zones, right? Yeah, but they, I mean, uh, they have um, some... Range have and some range melee. And some don't. So Luke Cage is, is only melee. But Misty is ranged or melee. And the range, it's really cool. You can easily find out if you have range on someone because you literally, if you're standing on uh, one of the circles on the board that matches the same terrain or color or whatever as your opponent, then you have range. doesn't matter what direction they're at. So if I'm on a board that has steel mesh grating on it and you're on one that has one, I can shoot at you. Simple as that. You can be a fair distance away from me, but as long as you meet that requirement of the same color or whatever you want to call it, uh, stitching, or I don't know what. Pattern, yeah. Pattern, yeah, that's the word. If you, if you have the same pattern underneath you, then you have range on each other, and if you have a ranged attack, you can attack. And it's very, very cool that way. Simple game. Yeah, and each uh, each character has their own special ability, which yeah. is unique to them, so it'll be something that you can add to your player that's on every turn if you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a fun game. It's I, fun. I love how simple it is. Yeah. I love... You can teach this in no time flat. Yeah, like it's I mean, we Kurt, this is his first time playing. Yeah, and he just picked it up instantly. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, it was great. And three player was a whole heck of a lot different than two player. Yes, you really have to pay attention to what's going on because, like, at one point, Kurt was pinned between the two of us. He was in a pretty yeah rough spot, but he was able to wiggle out of it. But you know, you might not be able to. So it, that's yeah. the thing you can't move through 
your opponents, right? So, well, some unless you have a card, you, yeah. You have to that was my special ability. ability. To do that. Yeah. Otherwise, you're kind of pinned, and he did. He did find himself pinned between the two of us and just getting punched back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, unmatched, really great. Three player was cool. I yeah. liked it. Um, two player, obviously, on most of them is what this is built for. But yeah. the three player was fun. So that yeah, was I think so too. At that and I liked it. But I think that's enough for this week. So uh, you can catch our our podcast and all the podcasting sites out there, all the major ones. We're on pretty much everything these days. Yeah, the Meeple Dungeon. Yeah, the Meeple Dungeon. And you're going to see uh, episode 37 yep. coming out uh, this weekend, I would think. I think we're going to record on Just Thursday, As soon as your Friday voice feels better. Because my voice is, is all right, but it's still not perfect. Yeah. But. We're working at it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to run, and we will see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Hey, folks. Ryan here from Mr. Rouse Gaming Rants and Reviews, and welcome to another week of What You've Been Playing Wednesday, where this week I'll be chatting about a little game called Meeples and Monsters, designed by Ole Steinness and published in 2022 by AEG Aldrich Entertainment Group. A dark shadow has fallen upon the realm of Rowan. The evil forces of Mordraw pulled to the power of Sauron, together with the unfathomable monstrosities from the realm of people, have found ways to enter your world and are now invading everywhere. The king's army, weakened by years of war, is but a thin veneer of its former self. The desperate king turns to you, lords and ladies of the land, asking you to take action and save the realm from the dark powers. Whoever musters the most potent force, completing quests, adventures, and proving most effective against the invaders will be declared the new Earl Marshal and win the game of Meeples and Monsters. Meeples and Monsters is a game by Ole Steinus and it's two to four players aged 14 plus and is lasting about 45 to 60 minutes. And Meeples and Monsters is a bag building game. Yes, bag building. One of my favorite mechanisms of all time, um, a la, you know, Orleon and Quacks of Quedlinburg are some of my favorite games. And this game is no exception. It has got that bag building goodness um, to it. And I also kind of attribute that it's got a little bit of Lords of Waterdeep um, sewn into it, that it's got that high fantasy theme about it. You're building buildings onto a central board that all the other players can take advantage of. And yes, eventually this is a worker placement style game where you're going to be drawing your warriors and your mages and your clerics and all these other people out of your bag and you're going to go out into the town and take all these certain actions and defeat all these monsters. Now, here's the thing, though. It is worker placement, but none of the spots are actually ever blocked um, from you as, you know, you're going to take your turn. And then when you do your cleanup phase, all of your meeples come out of the town and into your kind of lodging area. And now other players can now go out into the town and defeat the monsters on their own. So. It's kind of a neat way in that. And the game kind of plays over different kind of style phases. Whereas early on in the game, you're going to be really focused on putting out some new buildings out onto the border board area for you to take some of these more powerful actions throughout the game. But there's only room for eight more buildings out of a big old stack. I can't remember exactly how many. I think there's about... Oh gosh, there's got to be about like 15 to 20 buildings, but only eight are actually going to get built on any given on any given game. So it kind of gives a nice wide variety of things that are going to be going on. And after all of those buildings have been built, well, all there's left to really do is kind of upgrade your your meeples, your clerics, and your warriors and your knights and your mages to upgrade them and send them off to fight all of the different monsters that are invading. Um, this little town of yours and that is where the bulk of the gameplay is going to be is that you're going to be wanting to collect various styles and types of these meeples to send them out and upgrade them to defeat these monsters because all of those monsters are worth a varying degree of victory points and most of them too when you defeat them allow you to upgrade and give your um, certain meeple characters like say your warriors or your mages 
um, give them extra combat strength for to determine the defeat later on. Monsters. Now, this is going to be a this this game does kind of drag on a little bit. It does advertise a 45 to 60 minute gameplay, and that is if you know the players around the table are actually focusing on defeating the monsters as in the name of the game. Um, but if other people are, if you're just going to sit there and, you know, try to upgrade your characters and get a, ma a massive big old amount of army to, to go out and defeat the monsters, it's going to take a little bit more time. So usually the game will kind of click at one point in time where one person's going to start defeating a bunch of monsters on their turns. Other people are going to need to uh, follow suit because... Well, the person that starts to defeat the monsters more than upgrading their characters and upgrading the bag components, they're going to win the game because those monsters are worth the victory points. And there are also quests that you can go on, and there's various styles of quests that can, you know, defeat certain monsters with certain styles or certain character meeples, or have certain meeples in your tavern at the end of the at the end of a round. Or a whole schwack load of different things. And these are also going to grant you victory points and also abilities to upgrade your meeples and even gain more meeples into your into your bags and, and whatnot. So I have been having a ton of fun with meeples and monsters. I'm going to put it in that same category as Oleon's and Quasic Quenlinburg, but this is more of a lighter style family game i'm going to even put it as kind of like a little bit step down in complexity from the quacks of quedlinburg there is going to be a vast a ma good majority of style of gamers that are going to enjoy and can get into this game the rule book is a little lengthy and there's there's lots of walls of text but essentially once you start getting going into the game it is there is not a lot of complexity to this um style to this style of game the rulebook makes it a look a lot worse than what it actually is. So I am recommending go out and check out Meeples and Monsters, especially if you are a fan of that bag building high fantasy style of games. Um, th th there's lots of things to be really impressed about in this, this production. Even if you just get just yourself the retail version, there is a Kickstarter version out there where they kind of, you know, I think they silk screened some of the Meeples with their actual like character things but i don't think you would actually be really paying attention to the that detail anyways because really all you're really worried about is what color did i draw and what can my colors particularly do uh, at any given time so i think that the retail edition is probably just the right price point for this uh for this kind of game though i am going to probably also caveat the very last bit is that after about 10 or so plays, which where which is where I'm sitting at, this game is going to start feeling kind of like you're playing the same game over and over again. You've kind of seen a good majority of all the quests. You've definitely seen all the monsters. The monsters are all the same every game in and game out. Um, you're going to start feeling like, and if you start gravitating to one certain style, like upgrading certain meeples to their kind of abilities, it's going to start feeling the same after a while. So this game probably is only going to get about that 10, maybe 15 plays out of you. And then maybe you're going to start evaluating whether or not this game needs to stay in your collection or not. At least that's where I am sitting um, currently. But I have had a lot of fun with the plays that I have had of Meeples and Monsters thus far. And uh, that, that that's, worth, that's worth every penny so far. And that's what I've been playing lately. Be sure to check out my full overview, thoughts, and review of Meeples and Monsters over on my YouTube channel. Just search up Mr. Rouse Gaming Rants and Reviews. And if you'd like to follow my gaming adventures on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, just search up at Mr. Rao Gaming. That's M-I-S-T-A-R-A-U Gaming. Enjoy the rest of what you've been playing Wednesday, folks. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. It's Norm from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers here in Saskatoon. And uh, let's take a quick look at to see what the community of Bridge City Board Gamers has been playing. So let's start off with Hans. 
Roland writes, uh, so he says, great games to take camping as well. Played Gonshon Clever, Super Mega Lucky Box, Imhotep the Duel, Welcome to the Moon. I got to take a breath. Dice Miner, Trails of Tucana, Explorers, Ark Nova. I don't think Ark Nova is a, 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 a <laughs> rolling right. Um, uh, no, I'm joking. Terraforming Mars and Watergate. Wow, cool. The, uh, the, all, the, all fantastic, uh, those first ones, all fantastic smaller games. And uh, I've yet to play Welcome to the Moon. I love Welcome to, flip and right game. But this one has a scene to scene kind of thing, I've been told. Um, and Trails of Tucana. This is a couple times I've heard you play this one. I've seen the game, but I've not, I've not done my homework. So, so there you go. Ark Nova. Well, Ark Nova is sitting right in front of me. I picked up a copy and, uh, and I'm, I'm in the learn process. So I can't wait to get that going in. Uh, Terraforming Mars and Watergate. I love Watergate, the card driven, uh, game system where, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of the GMT, uh, inception that uh, was brought to uh, more more mainstream with Watergate. Uh, it's Capstone, and they've been knocking it out lately. So cool. Uh, Matt, a light week for him, but uh, Kathy Gone Con starts tomorrow, so that will change. I don't even want to know what that means. Uh, Eli, Ark Nova again, and Viticulture using the new Viticulture World expansion. First of all, congratulations that you got Viticulture World expansion. Uh, I didn't. I didn't buy into the whole thing. I just kind of waited for it, and uh, I, I hope it comes to retail because I'm curious. It's looking cooler and cooler the more that people are talking about it. But again, that's talking about it. I, I want to, you know, feet on the ground kind of thing. But I love Viticulture. I have uh, Essential Edition Tuscany. And uh, it is so much fun. Love it. An Arc Novel, as I just mentioned, uh, I have this feeling that this will be a, a, a fun a game for me as well because it's got a lot of puzzliness to it and efficienciness and connectivity and yay, yay, yay. So, wow, cool. So, Lane, we've got Lane. Yesterday at uh, Loud Balooza Board Game Extravaganza and Boba Tea. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, Onitama, uh, TM Prelude, Paladins, Wingspan, The Crew. On other days I got in, X-Men un, uh, United, Gloomhaven, and Bitoku. Uh, wow, that's uh, that, that must have been like a no sleep moment too because there's some pretty cool heavy games in there. Paladins of the West Kingdom, yeah. I've, I got, oh, this is, this is the dilemma going through this list is... Uh, seeing games that I have that I love that I need to play again and I get into an angst moment. So Paladins of the West Kingdom, yeah, and Wingspan. I mean, that's a solid engine builder. Jonathan, Whistle Mountain, Paladins of the West Kingdom, Ark Nova, Railroad, Inc. Challenge, and Illusion. Wow, fantastic. I've not played Whistle Mountain, but uh, it has a good pedigree and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, cool. I've I, like Paladins talked about it in Arc Nova. So, uh, Railroad Inc. Challenge. I had Railroad Inc. It was fun game. I played it a ton, and then I uh, then I sold it because it, you know someone else could have fun. Travis, more Endeavor Age of Sales with some expansions. Uh, Endeavor Age of Sales. That is, um, yeah, I'm looking at it. It's a it's a great game. There are some thematic things that might put some people off, but again. Uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the history of humanity, uh, you know, as human beings, we've done some bad things. So, uh, you know, in context, always. Uh, Tim, oh, the history teacher on me is geeking out right now. Tim played Quebec 1759. I've only read about it, heard about it. I, I don't even think I've seen a playthrough on YouTube. But uh, yeah, that uh, that time and that time period appeals a lot to me as a uh, um, as a school history teacher and so on and so forth. So we, we carry on. I mean, he played more games than that. Uh, also, Wizard Kings. I you know, there's a that that's another one I've never seen before. But it got a cool. He's got a picture here. Very cool map. And, uh, and, and miniatures or stuff to put on the map. So I'm all in with that. 
And speaking of engine building greatness, uh, I see a copy of Wingspan on his table. Cool. And let's wrap this up with uh, John, um, Space Corps. I've got uh, I've got myself a copy of that GMT awesome space game right behind me, and I believe I have the. Uh, Why well, yes, I do. I have the expansion Ventures, I believe it's called. Ah, uh, oh, see again. I got to get this game to the table. Maybe I'm going to get the game to the table. It'll be a heavy, yeah, it'll be, it'll be concrete weekend. That's how heavy the games will be that I want to play. <laughs> so, uh, but my turn, I can make this quick. Um, Gamers Garage, we played two games. We played uh, Chinatown, which is strictly a trading game. And uh, I, I mean, I like this game, but man, does this game suck when you because uh, it's randomness it is all about randomness and the only and i'm 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 okay with randomness when you have the agency to mitigate that randomness randomness but when the agency is trading and uh yeah i you know i'm i think i might make a, a an episode about uh board game mechanisms that can just go away and uh you know to me trading is one of them because there's just so much meta that goes on with trading that will just wreck it absolutely wreck it for anybody at the table right and uh yeah i'm i'm you know i'm done with trading games because of that simple meta fact right and uh yeah so that let's let's just say that uh as as a a mechanism that goes with other part mechanisms in a game sure i'll tolerate it but if it's a game that's strictly trading yeah i think i'm done with that <laughs> uh but i am not done with rococo um rococo i have the the original edition not the glorified uh chrome and paint job edition because from what i understand there's absolutely no change in the gameplay but there's a lot of change in the price to the game and uh and so yeah i mean if you're a big fan of having like i mean and and not to diss the big game it's eno tool i love eno tool but it's one of those dress box size eagle griffin game and a table hog and metal coins and this and that and and to me i'm thinking yeah that's great i've got the original edition which is just cardboard but because uh it's and it's good it's solid um, to me, it's it's like literature or li music. It's got to be solid in the words or in the text and or in the idea. You can't, I mean, you can't change something just with adding, you know, bells and whistles and make it better. If the core is good and solid, I mean, I can I can you know suspend disbelief and and thematically allow things to happen if the game is solid and this is such a solid game that i don't need metal coins i don't need you know glamorized components when I, what i the base game or the you know the original is nothing absolutely nothing wrong with it so if you're able to find yourself a copy of the original uh yeah grab it right don't get lulled into the fact that you need uh, uh, you know, something that's three times the price <laughs> and, and the same game. So, uh, yeah, no, love Rococo. Uh, now, I discovered that, uh, we, again, I, I think I am like everybody else in this, in this hobby, that uh, you, you play a game for a while and then all of a sudden you realize, ooh, we were, we were playing that rule wrong? Oh, okay. Well, that happened to us. But it was one of those things where, um, we were all playing it wrong. So as as far as like the balance of the of the players at the table were concerned, there was no you know asterisk anomaly. But now that we know, I'm curious to see how it changes the game. And uh, with with everybody aware of going, oh well, that makes more sense. It was one of those moments, one of those light bulb kind of like, oh yeah, well yeah, that changes a little thing. Yeah, okay, sure. So. Uh, yeah, I'll play. Rococo is one of those games now that uh, that if somebody even mentions it, it's like I'm in. I'll leave. Yeah, in. There's not even a question about it. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people have those games. That would be a good episode. The undeniable list. 
right? <laughs> It'll, it's like uh, the, the best way to say it is if you're in the middle of a slumber and it's two in the morning and all of a sudden you smell someone cooking bacon in the house, you might be that type of person that's like, wow, I'm getting up. Someone's cooking bacon. I got to go get some bacon, right? Um, <laughs> the bacon list. That's what I'm going to call it. Well, I'm looking at the clock and we're at that hour-ish moment. And that's when I like to say thank you so much to the listeners for taking the time to, you know, listen to what we have to say about board games and motivate you to uh, buy more board games. There you go. Well, and we are at that point where I love to say thank you so much to all the content contributors who uh, make this happen. Like, awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, can't leave the episode without saying... Keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?